Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Couldn't help but notice some of you laughed. Some of you laughed at my mullet. I'm just telling you, young guys, in a couple of years, you're going to look back at those faux hawks and you're going to go, what was I thinking? Okay? Uh, it's actually, it's hard to believe it's been 25 years since that group of 12 people moved out of our living room and opened the doors for our very first public worship service. Um, and God has been so faithful and so generous and so um, good to us over the years. That is something worth celebrating. So I really hope you're going to be here on November 6th that evening and just, just give God thanks for all that he's done. And, and more importantly, actually, I hope that you will use that Sunday morning as an opportunity to invite a friend or a family member. Um, Every time we celebrate our anniversary, um, we've encouraged people, this is a great opportunity to introduce your friends and your family to your church family. It's going to be a special day. We've got a couple of surprises, a couple of special things planned, and we just hope that you will be here and that you will bring a friend. This is what it's all about, that invitational life. So encourage you to do that. Now, um, there was a critical decision that that group of 12 people made um, when we were still meeting in our living room because we made a decision we were going to be a church for unchurched people. But what that meant as we started talking about that and the ramifications of that, that meant that we were going to be the ones doing all the work, that we were going to be the Sunday school teachers, we were going to be the nursery workers, we were going to be the ushers, we were going to be whatever it was, um, that it was going to be up to us, that we were going to pay the way for those who are not yet here. Um, And not only that, but financially, we made a commitment. That group of 12 people made a commitment to pay the way for those who are not yet here. Now, we didn't have it formally as a slogan back then, um, and we didn't have posters up all around my living room reminding people of that, um, but it has been a core value of, uh, of us for, from day one. And the reason is, the reason is that we believe that it was worth giving all that we could to reach as many people as we could with this incredible message of God's grace. And so that group of 12 people, I am so grateful for the commitment that they made and how faithfully they gave and served. Um, and I'm grateful for all those who have come in the last 25 years who have taken up that, that, um, that core value as your own and, and have become generous and have become givers and understand there's no better investment of your resources than in the work of God. So thank you for those of you who have been a part of this all that time. Um, now, If we're going to be a generous church, and that's what we said we're going to be, then that means for each and every one of us, that comes down to a decision that we have to make about that. Um, Because it can't be a generous church if the people who are the church aren't generous. And so that's why we cheer for our giving time. That's why we take some time to explain it each week. And it's actually part of the reason why we're going through this whole series. Because we can't be generous if we are not wise managers of God's resources. And we believe that everything we have comes from him. And so that's why one of the reasons we've been going through this series is we believe that, that our financial um, management is absolutely crucial to our spiritual development. Jesus said it. He said, your, tr- your heart will always follow your treasure. And he talked more about money and finances than any other single subject in the Gospels. Read it for yourself. And the reason he did that is because it is so vital. It is, it is the, we said it a couple of weeks ago, that your wallet is the biggest competitor for your heart that God has. 
And so this whole series that we're using is called The ABCs of Financial Freedom. It's based on the book written by Barry Cameron. As Jesse mentioned in the announcements, he's going to be here with us next week. You don't want to miss his story. It is just incredible what God has done in his life, in his family's life, in his church. And we encourage you to do that. Um, And we have been giving away these books. So if you have not yet picked up your copy, they are free Pick one up. You can get it at the, uh, out in the lobby. We encourage you to get your copy. Take it home with you. And then along with that is this workbook. Um, and the workbook we're charging $3 for. I know, big, big cost, okay? But we want you to have some kind of investment in this because when you do the work in the workbook, it makes much more practical application to the book itself. So if you haven't gotten this, please do that. And then um, let me just say again, because I've said this each week, this is a holistic approach and it is all about um, every aspect of our finances. So it's not just a giving thing. It's not just a budgeting thing. It's not just a getting out of debt thing. It's the whole thing. So if you've missed any of these or you're here for the very first time, um, go back, listen to the podcast, go online to our website, watch the video cast, catch up with all of us because this really is crucial to every one of us. And if you are here for the very first time here at Northgate um, or you're new to Northgate or you're new to the faith, or maybe you're here and you're just kind of figuring this whole thing out and investigating Jesus, I just want you to know we built this place for you. We designed our ministry for you. And today I'm talking to our church family, but there are applications even for your own life. So the ABCs, quick recap. A is attitude. A is all about my attitude. I need to understand and and adopt this idea that God is the owner and I am just the manager. Whatever resources I have, God's the owner, I'm the manager. And then we looked at B, which is bondage, the bondage of debt and the importance of getting out of debt. Um, because we're paying for things that we've long since used up and thrown away, and we are still paying for them because we were not wise. So we need to get out of debt, and we talked about that that week. And then last week, we talked about choice, um, that you have a choice to make when it comes to all of this, and, uh, and it's choosing to go God's ways. And today, we're going to talk about decision. Um, and now, here's the thing, because a lot of you are thinking, well, isn't, aren't they the same thing? Isn't choice the same thing as, as decision? And really, they're not. They're actually two different things. Let me give you a couple of definitions. Um, The first one is the definition of choice. To choose is to select as being the best of two or more alternatives. In other words, you have two, three, four, maybe five different choices, and you choose what you think is the best, okay? That's to choose. But to decide is to take it the step further. See, to decide is is to come to a resolution, As a result of consideration that I have thought about it and I've resolved the issue to resolve or settle a matter. In other words, with the choice, we are weighing all of our options. With the decision, we are committing to a direction. And so last week we talked about that choice. Today I want to help you make a decision about all this, a decision that will change your finances, a decision that will change your life. It's to um, come to that whole thing. Now, um, I'm going to tell, read a scripture. It's a very short passage. It's from Mark chapter 12. And it comes, let me set the stage for you. It comes actually at the very last week of Jesus' life. 
He has already made the triumphal entry with all of the hosannas and the palm branches, all of that. He's come into Jerusalem. Um, he's also had this um, confrontation now, and it's coming to a head with the religious leaders, and they've decided they're, they need to get rid of this guy. And so Jesus, in his last week, about two or three days after the triumphal entry, he goes back to the temple with his disciples, and that's where we're going to pick up this story. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Just a short passage. It says that Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put in and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. You ever wonder why Jesus, in the last week of his life, is still talking about money with his disciples? It just seems kind of odd. It seems like, like last instructions would be, you know, a lot of other things, but, but not this. But here's the thing. Within the week, their world is going to be rocked. Jesus will be arrested, he will be put on trial, and the mockery of a trial, he will be crucified, and he will rise again, and he will give them a commission, and about seven weeks later, God pours out his Holy Spirit on this group of people, and it launches the church, and 3,000 people become followers of Jesus Christ, and it says about the early church, if you read through Acts chapters 2, 3, and 4, that there was a spirit of generosity in that church, so much so that people sold their possessions and gave to anyone who had need. There were no needy people among them. And I think it has to do with this teaching that Jesus has made all along. See, he, he designs his church to be generous. And, and, and God looks at our giving. But I want you to see as God sees. That's what we've been saying. If we can see things as God sees, we're more likely to do as he says. So how does God view your giving? How does God see your giving? And it starts with this. He looks at the proportion, not the amount. The proportion not the amount. Now, giving at the temple in Jesus' day was kind of like our giving boxes. Now, they didn't pass a plate. It was a giving boxes. And there was a, there was a court of the women in the temple. And there was a colonnade. And then against the wall opposite, um, there were 13 brass jars like this, made of brass. And when people would come with their offerings, they would come with their little bag. And they would go up to one of those 13, and they would pour in. They would give their offerings. And so Jesus gets his disciples and he pulls them over. And I kind of, kind of picture it in my mind. He, he kind of pulls them back behind maybe one of the columns in the colonnade, just watching what's going on. And the wealthy people come in. And it says this. Many rich people came and they threw in large amounts. It sounded something like this. a lot and then this poor widow comes along reaches into her little bag pulls out two copper coins and Jesus makes this incredible statement calls his disciples to him and he says truly I tell you 
This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others, than anyone else. And, and I'm sure, because I, I kind of, as I picture this, I know Matthew, Matthew, see, Matthew had been a tax collector. And I kind of picture Matthew saying, well, um, excuse me, Lord, I don't want to contradict you, but, you know, I know a little bit about accounting, and, and I know math, okay? And I can just tell you, that doesn't add up. That doesn't add up. That, you know, those guys with the big bags, that was, that was something. You know, that little two coins, that, that, that really, you know, that, I don't know how you learned your math, but that's not how it works. And then Jesus explains. He says, they gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. And that's the principle. God looks at the percentage, not the amount. And I think the reason for that is, is because everybody can give on a percentage basis. In fact, actually, what they found, the Chronicle of Philanthropy, say that word five times fast, um, has actually done studies on this. And what they have found is that the richer people are, the less they give as a percentage of their income. That actually the poorer people and the middle, lower middle class people give more on a percentage basis than wealthy people. That, that c- continues to hold true to this day. Peter Marshall, uh, who was a pastor, he was actually, um, for, a, for a season, he was the um, chaplain for the U.S. Senate. And, and, but he was also a pastor of a church. And, and he had a member of his church who, uh, who had made this decision to start tithing, that they were going to give that 10%. And so they started doing it, and God started blessing his business. And it began to grow and grow and grow. And one day he came to his pastor, Pastor Peter Marshall, and he said to him, um, yeah, I have a problem. He said, you know, when I was only making 20000 a year, it was easy to give $2,000. But now I make like 500000 a year, and it's really hard for me to, to give away $50,000. Peter Marshall said, you're right. That's a problem. That's a problem we ought to pray about. Man said, okay, yeah, let's pray about that. Held hands together and said, dear Lord, this man has a problem. He can't afford to give. So I am praying that you will reduce his income so he can afford to give a tithe again. See, because that's the truth. We looked at this the last couple of weeks. God's design and God's plan is that 10, 10, 80 plan, okay? That the first 10% of my income goes to God. It goes back to God. It's all his, but as a reminder of that to me, I give back 10% to him. 10% I save. I set aside an emergency fund. I save up for expenses down the road. And then I learn to live more simply on the 80%. Because the truth is most of us are living a better lifestyle than we can afford to live. And that's why we got ourselves into this problem with debt. So we start to live more simply. We start to bring down that, uh, all those expectations and things that we want to buy. And we just start living realistically. And it's out of that 80% that we begin to pay off that debt. till we got it gone. And then we live on that 80% for the rest of our lives. See, some of us in this room don't make a whole lot. But you have given faithfully for years and years and years. You've put this principle into your life. There are also people among us who do quite well, but have still to learn 
the principle of the tithe. See, he looks at the percentage, he looks at the proportion, not the amount. Because, and this is the second part that's closely tied to the first, because he looks not at the money, but at your heart. See, that's what Jesus said. Your treasure always follows, your heart always follows your treasure. And that's what God is looking for. That's why Jesus saw what nobody else saw. You back up at the beginning, verse 41. It said that Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. The New American Standard Version actually translates it a little more clearly, um, and it says this, that Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. See, he was watching something. And the wealthy, they came in and made a lot of noise. Everybody could tell they were giving a lot. But that's not what Jesus was looking for. He was looking for the heart. See, that's the kind of thing that Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. We talk about your giving should be done in secret. So that your heavenly Father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. Don't make your reward everybody knowing how much you get. Make your reward what God sees about your heart. Because that's what it comes down to. In fact, if you remember, as we read it, it said that the rich threw in their money. The widow just put in her two coins. There are really four basic levels of giving, and each one of them reveals a little bit about your heart. And when it comes to giving and revealing your heart, some of us, some of us are what you might call hesitant givers. Okay, we're not sure if we can really trust God. We're not sure if we can really afford 10% of our income. We're not, not really sure we can do all of this. And, and if you're in that kind of place right now and you're not saying, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if that'll work. I'm not really sure if God's going to really take care of me. I, I've just got some hesitation about all of this. You need to remember the scripture we looked at last week from Malachi chapter 10. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, he says. Test me in this. Maybe if you're that hesitant giver, you need to take a new step of faith. You need to actually put it to the test. See what God will do if you become obedient. What you're doing is you are redirecting your heart towards trust and obedience to God. Now, some of us are beyond the hesitant. Some of us are what you might call um, obedient givers. See, obedient givers, we do what we're supposed to do. But it's more out of a sense of obligation or or duty or maybe even a little bit of fear. Like, if I don't do this, God's going to somehow get me, okay? And and listen, that is not the case. You, you, You can give And it's a good starting place. In fact, last week we looked at Paul's instruction to the Corinthian church when they were taking the collection for the Jerusalem church. And this is what he wrote to them. He said, if their willingness is there, then the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. In other words, percentage giving. He says, if the willingness, if you're just willing to do this, that's a good start. And that's maybe a lot of us here. We're doing what we're supposed to do and we do it out of that sense of duty, but there's no joy in it. There's no real sense of what I'm really doing with my resources when I do this. And maybe for you, it's to take the step to the next level. Because see, that kind of giving, that's kind of like someone who drives 65 miles an hour because there's a CHP following them. You know, they're obeying the law, 
but their heart's not in it. Yeah? See, that, that's the thing. It's good to obey the law. But again, what, what the Lord wants is, is your heart. And our, our giving should be a response to grace. This is not just about law. It's not legalism. This is a response to grace. Giving should always come as a response to grace. Now, if you have to start by doing it as an obligation, that's a good place to start. But what God wants to do is start to transform your heart through all of this. And get beyond the obedient level to become a generous giver. And some of us here are generous givers. Now, a generous giver is more about um, understanding God's generosity. And then giving out of that sense that God has been generous to me. God has taken care of me. And I will give back to him as an act of worship. It's doing what I'm supposed to do and more. It's giving above and beyond the tithe to the offerings. And, and, and some of us in this room, we do that. We tithe regularly to our church. And then um, sometimes we give above and beyond to, to the church. Sometimes we give above and beyond to other organizations or missionaries that we support. Or, or we, uh, we sponsor a, a child in, in Uganda, whatever it might be. And that, that's generous living. That's, that's where we want everybody to get to. Because that's, that's really what God wants out of our heart. He wants that spirit of generosity in our hearts. And this is what Paul wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter after they had done this. It says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. See, generous givers understand that when I give, God uses that. And the best investment I could ever make with my resources is to the work of God in this world. And we do it because God has taught us and he has changed our hearts because we made a decision. Now, there's one more level. And I've known a few of these, not many, but these are what you might call extravagant givers. They love to give. They look for ways to give. They, 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 they even live sacrificially sometimes or, or, or dial back their standard of living. They live more simply so they would have more to give. Like I said, there aren't many of these people that I've met. I've met a few. Some, I've, I've met some that did it for a season in their life because of something they felt God wanted them to do. And so they cut back on their own expenses so they could do that. There are other people I know that have done it as a lifestyle. That's that widow with the two copper coins. Sacrificial giving. That's that's that first century church where they sold their possessions and assets so that others could benefit. See, that's, that's what... Actually, Paul talked about the Macedonian church when he was talking to the Corinthians about this. This is what he said. He said about the Macedonian church, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now, watch what the, the contrast. In the middle of a very severe trial, they had overflowing joy. And in their extreme poverty, they welled up in rich generosity. They understood. They understood how God's economy works they understood we are not the owners we're just the managers so here's my question for you what level are you on some of us in this room we're hesitant givers just not sure we can do this it's a little i don't don't know if i can i don't know if maybe it's time for you to take a fresh step of faith Because as I said, 
Your finances are a big part of your discipleship. And maybe you need to get beyond the hesitant stage and at least become an obedient giver. Now, many of us in this room might be obedient givers. We already do that on a regular basis, but we haven't really found the joy in it. And, and, and then we're doing it, but more out of sense of duty, and it's not really getting into our hearts. And maybe, maybe for some of us here, it's a time to let it di- get down deep into your soul, get down deep into your heart, and get beyond the obedience stage to become generous. I have been praying through this whole series for the whole, every aspect of what we've been talking about, that we together as a church, each of us as individuals would get this, that we would understand how God's economy works, that we would understand and be able to take those steps of faith and find generous living so that we could be that generous church. Maybe you're already there. And maybe, just maybe, God is moving you to something a little more extravagant. But it's my hope and my prayer that every one of us in this room take this seriously enough and make a decision. Now, I said every week I've said this. This is not about buying indulgences, okay? This is not about paying my way into heaven. That's not what this is about. This is about honoring God with every aspect of my life, including my finances. And so together... We're going to do something. We did this a couple of years ago for the very first time. You should have gotten one of these as you came in. If you did not, we have them in the hallway on your way out, in the lobby on your way out, okay? It's called Try the Tithe. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're that hesitant giver, try the tithe. Just do what God says. Test me in this, okay? Make a commitment. It's going to ask you to make a three-month commitment. I have never had anybody who chose to do things with their finances God's way regret it. But, but if you're still not sure, then just give it three months and just see what God will do. This is what it says on the card on the backside. Trusting in God's faithfulness and recognizing my responsibility as a manager of his resources, I am taking this step of trust and committing to tithe the first 10% of my income to the Lord's work through Northgate Christian Fellowship. And there's a box there. There's three boxes, actually. The first one says, I will start tithing 10% of my income faithfully to the church each month. Make that commitment. Make that decision for three months. Resolve to do it. Now, if you're already there, it might be the next one. I will continue to tithe 10% to my church and start giving above that as God blesses. Maybe that's where you're at. Check that box. Or the third one says, I will continue to faithfully give above the 10% tithe to my church each month. Now, I don't want you to turn this in today. Because what we said about decision, a decision comes after consideration. It's to resolve the issue and it needs to be done carefully and with consideration. So what I'm asking you to do, what I'm encouraging to do, what I'm challenging to do, what I'm prodding, poking, urging, whatever else I can, adjective I can, what I'm asking you to do. If you're married as a couple, sit down. That budget that you worked out this week in your workbook, you did do the homework in the workbook, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, if you haven't, go back and do that. Some of you, some of you did that this week, and you went and you got it all told up. You go, whoa, we make that much? I had no idea we had that much income. Whoa, how, how wow, I, I, that's unbelievable. Others of us went, how are we living? <laughs> and you're thinking to yourself, hey, what, what, that person, I, yeah. I will tell you, there have been times 
in our life as a couple, as a family, where we were at that, I have no idea how we are making it month to month. But God blessed and God provided because we stuck to the tithe. So I'm going to ask you to take that home. As a couple, as an individual, pray about it. Read through that book again. Read through the scriptures we've gone through this week. Listen to the podcast one more time. Watch the video cast, whatever it is, and make a decision and bring that card back next week. Next week, we will collect them. And if you leave it at home, we'll have extras. And, and you don't have to wait till next week if you really want to start tithing now. We'll take it today. But um, what I really want you to do is to make a decision. Decide either I'm going to do this, and if you decide I'm not, that's going to be your decision. But make a decision. Would you bow your heads with me? Now, as I said earlier, this is your first time here at Northgate. This has been more of a family conversation. But I also have learned over the years that God has a way of speaking to people's hearts about things that I'm not even talking about. And maybe you're here today and you've been looking for a different way of life. And if you were honest about it, and this, we try to do this every single week, if you would be honest about it, you would say, you know, I have been living life my way and it is not working. And I have a lot of mistakes. I have a lot of failures. I have a lot of sin to prove it. I know I can't continue down this road on my own. And maybe God's been speaking to your heart all this week. Maybe it's been for the last month. But it's time for you to make a different kind of decision. It might be the decision to take a first step of faith in Jesus Christ. And every week, if there's somebody that is ready to do that and make that decision, I don't want to keep that from happening. So it has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. But God's been speaking to your heart and he's just saying, it's time to surrender. It's time to find my grace, my mercy, my forgiveness. And you can today take a very first step of faith. And if that describes you at all, I'm going to ask you to do something very, very simple. Just raise your hand, and as you do, hold it up and look up and catch my eye because I want to acknowledge you. I want you to know I am praying with you and for you as we close in this prayer. Is there anyone? All right. So I'm going to invite you to make this your prayer. And, and it's really the prayer of all of us each week. Lord, here we are with our faults, with our failures, our mistakes, with our sin. And we know we can't do anything about this. We can't change ourselves. We're simply turning to you and asking for your grace, for your mercy, for your forgiveness, for what you did on the cross to apply to our lives, that we might now live in obedience following you. Lead us in that way, Lord, as we surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. You